Fifty Cents, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. If extrapolation was all that was necessary, then the secret to investment success would be determined by the possession of a pencil and a ruler. But of course, that's not true. Things don't always go up. And yet, when we're talking about residential property prices, maybe that's the exception to the rule. We're going to talk about residential property prices, not very much about the Cayman Islands, because I know it's somewhere between bananas and nuts here, but we're going to take a broader look because what's happened in the Cayman Islands is happening globally. We're going to talk about what that might mean, why it's happening, and what the future might bring. Is it too much of a good thing? My name is Emil Kalinowski, and I am broadcasting to you live from the studios of Radio Cayman on 89.9 and Grand Cayman and 93.9 and the sister islands, Cayman Brack and Little Cayman. I'm also on YouTube. Yes, we're live. All the shows on Radio Cayman are live on YouTube. Just go to the Radio Cayman YouTube page and you'll be able to to watch all the shows today and for the rest of the week. Housing prices, property prices, they're in the news. I turn your attention to a Financial Times article from the 13th of September titled, Global House Prices Rise at Fastest Pace Since 2005. Market is quote-unquote on fire thanks to low interest rates and a shortage of properties. I underlined that in my paper here that I'm looking at. We're going to come back to that several times. Okay, it's by Valentina Rommel. I'm just going to read a couple of sentences here. Global house prices rose. This global house prices are rising at their fastest pace since 2005 as low interest rates, a shortage of housing, and bountiful household savings continue to boost the housing market. The average annual price change across 55 countries rose to 9.2% in the 12 months through June, according to a property consultancy called Knight Frank. That is the fastest rise since the 12 months in March 2005. Now, for all the young listeners, 2005 is not too far away from 2008, when the global property boom busted. So, is is what's happening now similar to what's happening in 2005? Does it mean a property bust in the future? We'll talk about it. Overall, one in three countries registered double-digit price growth, including Russia and Germany. The United States, Australia, New Zealand, Turkey, and Canada registered nominal house price growth of more than 16%. What is happening? What is happening here everywhere? In fact, of all the 55 countries in the Knight Frank study, only two registered a decline, India and Spain. We're going to come back to Spain, hopefully, if we have time later. So only two of them went down, 53 at least maintained or rose. Why is this happening? Well, there are three reasons given in the article. Firstly, low mortgage rates reflect 
the ultra-loose monetary policies adopted by most advanced economies. After the pandemic hit, central banks said we need to lower interest rates so that money is not too expensive. Okay, fair enough. And the knock-on effect is that many of our prime plus loans or floating rate loans for our mortgages are tied to these interest rates, which were sent to zero or lower. And therefore, mortgage rates are extremely low. Okay, so that makes sense. Number two, housing demand has also been supported by increased homeworking with purchases further help thanks to large savings accumulated by the many months during the pandemic when spending was limited because of the restrictions. Okay, so savings went up because we were not spending as much because we couldn't, but also because many of us were losing our jobs because the economy was on life support. So of course our savings surged. So low rates, a much larger pool of savings, Okay, that makes sense. Here's another interesting and unusual, unusual reason behind the housing price boom. And I'm quoting a analyst here. One underappreciated reason for the price boom is that housing supply is very tight. Housing inventories remain near historic lows in the United States, Canada, and the UK. While shortages of building materials and labor have hampered construction, exacerbating the housing shortage. Now, a couple of points there. The first point is the housing shortage is taking place in many locations. We're going to come back to that. The second point, which I want to address right away, is that there's a shortage of building materials and labor. Now, I believe that most people would say this is the reason there's a housing shortage because there's not enough lumber, there's not enough bricks, there's not enough laborers to put everything together, electricians, plumbers, because of the COVID restrictions. But the key point, the key line here is it's exacerbating the housing shortage. The housing shortage existed before the pandemic put restrictions that we all have to deal with in our day-to-day -day lives. It existed beforehand. It was being exacerbated. Now, in some locations, there are legitimate reasons. Oh, legitimate, that's the wrong word. There are different reasons in different locations why there might be a shortage. For example, Ireland. There's a housing shortage that's been in place for quite a while. In fact, the Financial Times wrote about it on the 2nd of September. Here's the title of the article. Ireland unveils record spending to tackle the housing crisis. The government will allocate 4 billion euros annually to build 300,000 homes by the end of the decade. This is by Jude Wepper. Quote, Ireland's housing problems are rooted in the high cost of construction, which has driven up the sale and, let's see, driven up sale and rental prices. And it's compounded by a lack of supply and a growing population. So in Ireland, we have a growing population and a lack of supply. And the Land Development Agency, which is a state-sponsored commercial body set up in 2018 to develop state controlled land with a focus on providing homes, expects that 300,000 homes will be built, starting with 33,000 per year, 
and rising to 40,000 by 2030. Just to give you a sense, before the COVID pandemic, Ireland was building about 20,000 annually. 20,000. So, okay, Ireland, there seems to be a growing population. But what about the other countries? Remember, in our article, we, we heard that the United States, Canada, and the UK. Now, Ireland, small country, there may be idiosyncratic reasons why there's a housing shortage. But Canada, a gigantic property market. The United Kingdom, a larger, certainly, country than Ireland. And you see a housing shortage there. Is it the same reasons that we have a housing shortage in in Ireland? And then the United States, the biggest one of all. The United States has a dozen Irelands inside of it. How could all of these countries with different districts, idiosyncratic reasons, supply-demand fluctuations, all be experiencing a housing shortage? Hmm. The key was mentioned in an August 31st article out of the Wall Street Journal, which again starts out talking about the house price boom. Here's the title. U.S. home price growth rose to a record in June. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, whew, which measures average home prices in major metropolitan areas across the nation, rose 18.6% in the year that ended in June. Is that a lot? Yeah, June marked the highest annual rate of price growth since the index began in 1987. Another completely separate measure that's done by the Federal Housing Finance Agency found an 18.8 increase in house prices in June. That's a record going all the way back to 1991. So yes, okay, check. That confirms the story we got from our first article from the independent uh, boutique consultancy, Knight Frank. Global house prices, fastest since 2005 in the United States, the fastest since data records began in the late 1990s. But why the shortage? House prices have skyrocketed this year as inventory of for sale homes remains well below typical levels and ultra low interest rates have spurred demand. The number of houses for sale has ticked higher in recent weeks, okay, but inventory continues to be low, especially for low priced homes. Ding, ding, ding. Active listings in the four weeks ended August 22nd were down 23% from a year earlier, according to the real estate brokerage firm Red Fin Corp. Why? Why? That's the key, ladies and gentlemen. There is a shortage of homes for sale. The shortage exists primarily in less, less valuable houses for the middle class and below middle class individuals. And again, from our first story, the COVID pandemic restrictions have exacerbated what we're seeing. This shortage existed before, why? Here's my thesis. People are afraid to sell their houses. People usually sell a house and then upgrade to a new one. But we are in the middle of an economic depression that's been in place since 2008. And by that I mean the global economy 
has had the lowest rate of growth of expansion since 2008, since the Great Depression in the 1930s, and before that, the Long Depression in the 1870s to the 1890s. Yes, that's right. It's hard to believe economic growth rates are up, but they're so low, so low, that we haven't seen anything like it in 150 years. Well, I guess we have. We've seen two moments like this in the last 150 years, two extended eras, and those two extended eras were called depressions. If you are in a depression, if you don't have confidence, first of all, your wages are not increasing very quickly. Check. Inflation rates may be higher. Prices may be higher. So the the take-home, the, the savings rate may not be fantastic. Okay, so wages not increasing very well. Plus, there seems to be economic slowdowns and recessions every few years. The 2008 crisis in Europe, the 2011-2012 European sovereign debt crisis. And then most recently, the pandemic. What's happening is that people are afraid to sell the house they own and upgrade to a new one, which will cost more, will cost more, put them in greater debt. Why? Because they don't have confidence that the economy is going to be there next year or the year after. And that's the reason why we have a global, 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 that's the key. You might have a reason why there's a shortage of houses in Ireland, but a global housing shortage, that must, a global housing shortage that predates the pandemic, that must point to a global reason. And the global reason is the economy has been weak for a very long time and people are afraid to sell upgrade to a bigger house. Therefore, they're staying in the houses they have. And therefore, the only new supply coming on market is what's being built. But that is apparently insufficient. Now, we are at the midpoint of the show. We're going to talk a little bit more about housing, but we're also going to, and how it's, you know, property prices are rising, which can be a good thing. But in the second part of the show, we're going to talk about how much of a good thing is too much and might a housing price boom translate into a bubble and eventually a crash come back soon the cayman islands chamber of commerce pension plan we are here for you please be advised that the pension contribution holiday has been extended until 31st of december 2021 employers and plan members should ensure arrangements are in place for salary deductions and remittance following this date the Cayman Islands Chamber of Commerce Pension Plan, keeping you informed. For further information, visit chamberpension.ky. And for information as it happens, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Email admin at pensions.ky or call 745-7630. We're here for you. Money Sense, the only personal finance radio show in the Cayman Islands. Hosted by Simon Caudry from the CFA Society Cayman Islands. This is Money Sense. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Emil Kalinowski. You can catch the show live on YouTube as well. Radio Cayman. Make sure you check out that channel, not just for this show, 
but all the great shows on this station. We're talking about residential property prices. They're booming. At the beginning of the show, I talked about a study by Knight Frank, a property consultancy, which finds that global house prices rose at the fastest pace since 2005. They gave three reasons, two of which are reasonable and fine, but I wanted to focus on the third one, which is the global shortage, global shortage. That global shortage is being brought about by a weak economy that is preventing low wage and middle class earners from having the confidence to move to a bigger house to upgrade because they have confidence in the economy. Therefore, they're not selling. And the only properties that are coming on market globally are those which are being constructed, which is not enough. This has been noticed by other individuals, including columnist Reina Faruhar whose name I probably mispronounce. Forgive me, Ms. Faruhar. She writes for the Financial Times, and she was recently spending some time in the United States, and she was driving around a poor area in West Virginia. And she noticed that the property prices there were quite high, a poor area. Why? Well, she theorized that some of it may have to do that investors, the wealthy, are purchasing homes at an unfair rate. She notes that investors have purchased one out of every six homes in the U.S. in the second quarter of 2021, according to a property site report, Redfin, which I cited earlier, for another statistic. And she says that ultimately what we need to do is make housing affordable and available. And the White House has announced some good steps to increase the supply of lower-priced housing by making more financing available to buyers of manufactured homes. And they've got other ideas as well. But again, the idea is maybe there's too much purchasing being done for investment purposes instead of for living purposes. This is affecting low-wage, middle-class earners. The 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 great majority of our society. That's not fair to them. What can we do? Can we turn to the government for help? She suggests we do in the United States, and I'm sure I know the UK is working on it as well. Uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson had something last year where he wanted to make sure, it was a key plank in his uh, speech to his party to make housing affordable. Other governments have already tried this. We turn to China. Another Financial Times article just this week, Chinese land auction blunder undercuts Xi's inequality crusade. You see, other countries are already trying this and saying, we need to do something because what's happening is there are too many investors snapping up these properties that are not being used for housing purposes. China's biggest cities have suspended land auctions after a new central government rule failed to rein in prices. So the rules were introduced as part of Xi's... Who, who left their phone on in the studio? Oh, I'm the only one here. Forgive me. Forgive me. Please write all, send all complaints to Susan. Okay, the rules were introduced by Xi, the, the president, the leader, in order to promote common prosperity. Ah, that's a new phrase of his. And basically, I would say wealth inequality, which is something social justice. So he wanted to crack down on high property costs that are being borne by middle class families. It's just, it's just being repeated worldwide. 
We're hearing this story everywhere. And are intended to reduce demand and runaway house price booms. But guess what? It had the opposite effect. It had the opposite effect. And it drove up real estate prices. What happened? So the regulations outlined by the Natural Resources Ministry in February stipulated that 22 cities should sell more land this year than it had been sold on average between 2016 and 2020. Okay, that makes sense. Sell more, therefore prices should go down. But the authorities felt that the way the cities were auctioning off these houses by holding dozens of auctions merely whetted developers' appetites. I'm not sure, but okay. So they said you're having too many auctions and that's leading to too high price. So have fewer auctions. So. Beijing reduced the number of auctions to three from dozens, three. And what they wanted to do was to create an impression of an abundant supply at each auction. So they took those 22 auctions, they piled them into three. And of course, there's all this property. And they said, well, you know what's going to, it's going to look like there's just property everywhere. Why would you want to pay a lot if you can just get the next property? It did it return to normal. No. No. In the 22 cities subject to the land sales overhaul, the average transaction price rose in the first half of the year by 38.3%. 38.3%. A ministry advisor was skeptical that the latest measures would prove effective as local governments drive the bulk of their fiscal revenues from land sales. So they're going to simply raise asking prices. There's too much at stake, he said. The central government can't expect to control everything. It's true. There's almost certainly going to be a reaction by our central governments, just as we've seen in Beijing, which was unsuccessful. We're going to see a reaction in the United States, as Ms. Runa Farhar, Faruhar requested, as Boris Johnson suggested last year. I'm sure it's coming worldwide because there's a global shortage of properties worldwide to try to bring prices down. Will it be successful? To be determined. Let me turn to now another aspect of the residential price boom. A residential price boom is okay. It depends on where you are in your growth cycle because people with savings can buy residential properties and asset owners can buy properties. This is a good thing for them. For people without savings, without properties, this might be bad. Now, in a booming economy, people without savings will build them because they have employment and they will be able to purchase a home. And therefore, this is a wonderful thing. But at different moments, maybe, such as this one, there's a, a big problem with wealth inequality and these property booms and surges in prices are exacerbating that wealth inequality. I am going to leave that completely off to the side. I'm not going to discuss that part. What I am going to discuss is the macroeconomic probability or likelihood of a property price boom translating into a bubble. A boom is a good thing, maybe some of the time. A bubble is not a good thing because it will pop. What happens when it pops? Well, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, property residential property is the all-encompassing 
industry that can really suck in a national economy into a very bad financial crisis. Now, we've had stock market booms. We've had booms in gold prices. We've had a Bitcoin boom. But that doesn't mean it's going to suck in the whole nation. But property, because it's so all-encompassing, because it involves services, it involves construction companies, it involves people from all walks of life, it can really suck everyone in. And if it's a bubble and it pops, it will cause a lot of damage, as we saw in 2008. The closest Met the closest analogy would be what happened in the 19th century with the railroad booms, which went off every few years. Railroad booms were also all-encompassing that tied in entire counties, states, and nations. So the question is, when might a property price boom translate into a bubble? Thankfully, we have the Bank for International Settlements for this out of Basel, Switzerland. They have put together a very handy dandy, neat early warning indicator, which says it is okay for your housing market to boom as long as your housing market has been booming for a long time. That is your national idiosyncrasy. Oh, I need help. And they said, that's fine. That's fine. What is a danger zone is if it goes beyond your trend, if it goes beyond the trend. And if it surges so much that it's beyond anything that you're used to, it will convince people that this is normal, they'll invest more. And what they have found is that within three years of a nation going well above its trend, and there's a number for this, but I'm not going to bring it up right now. They said you're going to have a financial crisis within fifth, within three years. There's a fifty percent chance that you might have a financial crisis, and they have a handy dandy list. And who is at the top of that list? Well, there's 19 countries that made it this uh, most recent update through March, and those countries are. I'm going to read them out: Greece, the Netherlands, Croatia, Portugal, Slovenia. Spain, Hungary, Luxembourg, the Czech Republic, the Slovak Republic. And then let's say Ireland is Luxembourg's in there, Poland, Bulgaria. Now, not all of these are of the same magnitude. Some of these have been ringing the bell quarter after quarter saying we are so far above our average, while others like New Zealand just surged above their average for the very first time this quarter. What does that mean? What does that mean? Might there be a crisis? Maybe. Now, earlier I mentioned Spain. You know who's not on that list? The United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, some of those countries that I mentioned earlier. Why? Because they are crazy. Their property prices are crazy, but it's their crazy. They're on their long-term trend of crazy. And so everyone's used to it. And so it's a small chance that they'll have a property crisis property price related crisis. But you know who might? Spain. Earlier, I mentioned that Knight Frank said that, guess what? Of our 55 countries, only two of them have registered a decline. And you may think, okay, well, those two are, are coming off the boil. They're a little bit safer. Spain and India. Guess what? The BIS has found that what happens with this particular early warning indicator is eight quarters before a crisis, 
is when the peak is reached, the peak in the difference between your, your boom and your long-term trend. So Spain, my absolute favorite country to visit. I love it. I can't wait to go back. But Spain, the fact that it's been recording a decrease in prices sounds good. But according to the average country in this BIS study, once you've hit that early warning indicator and then you start decreasing in price, it's actually not an all clear. Perhaps it's merely the eye of the storm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have a whole half hour more to go of content, but Susan is waving her hands frantically at me that it's time to go to a time check. So thank you all very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you in a fortnight. You can check the show out on YouTube and I wish the rest of you a very happy day. Money Sense is brought to you by the Chamber Pension Plan. For further information, visit chamberpension.ky.